Warning, the following podcast may contain spoilers. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome into this issue 39 of DC Primetime, and as you can tell by my voice, you will soon hear from Rob's and our special guest this week. Uh, it's going to be a fun week, guys. Uh, <laughs> little but, uh, bit. Yeah, but uh, we're, we're a little rough for wear right now. Uh, my throat is killing me, but with this topic of conversation this week, there was no way in hell we were not recording this podcast for you guys to listen to, because this week... Oh, we get to talk invasion. Oh, I know. It been, was so I, good. <laughs> I've been so stoked for this. But uh, as always, from the Showcast Spotlight on the Next Level Podcast Network, I am Ben Beck. And from the Caffeine Crew Cast of Pods on the Next Level Network, I am Rob Martin. And we had a number of different people we reached out to for a special guest this week because, come on, let's face it, this is invasion. We needed help. We needed additional people to talk to. Uh, and it kind of works out this week with our throats being the same way that uh with a third person we don't have to talk as much but it's um we reached out to a number of different people and unfortunately some of the people that we did reach out to were not able to make it but fortunately for us right off the cusp of his birthday he was able to join us welcome back to the show tj hey it's nice to be back guys <laughs> yeah and actually you are actually one of the best people actually to have on for this because you are our kind of like dc comics guru not to mention that, too, but you also went back recently this past week and reread Invasion, so you're able to kind of look at this from both sides, which is something me and Ben both didn't get a chance to do. So I think that's actually going to be kind of fun seeing how some things kind of culminate together. So, But thanks again for being back. Hey, no problem. Yeah, and let me tell you, rereading those Invasion books, man, they were just blocks of text. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we're going to format the, the, uh, the issue a little bit differently this week. Usually we do... Um, our, uh, you know, we do each show as an individual segment. This week, we're going to do Gotham individually, Supergirl individually, but we are going to focus, uh, the Flash, Arrow, and Legends of Tomorrow as one whole unit and just talk invasion because this is pretty much, it's, it, it, I think it'd be a little too much if we broke down each individual episode and it might get a little confusing. So yeah, I, I think it's also going to be immensely hard to remember all what happened where. In, in each so. episode, yeah. So uh, we're going to count Flash, Arrow, and Legends all as one block and just talk Invasion. And uh, obviously we'll do our five. Should we do the five point that way too? Or are we all in agreement that it's the same rating for all three of those shows? Let's say it's the same rating for all three because I think it's kind of hard to say, hey, this was the opening of this story. Uh, you know, hero, you know, like, you know, psychic hero or legend. And then it's like, here's the middle of the story. I mean, it's kind of, I think it feels a little weird to do that. So I think, yeah, I think it makes the most sense to rate it as a whole. And then maybe for at least invasion, we'll add in our, uh, the 10 point, 10 point scale in with the, the three point. I think so, that works. Yeah. I yeah. think that works too. Uh, so let's get right down to it then. And let's talk 
uh, the DC Bullet Points, where we break down each uh, individual episode, or in this case, storyline, uh, with one of our three-point ratings, that being Sidekick, Hero, or Legend. Starting off first with the Gotham mid-season finale, Season 3, Episode 11. Uh, we'll start with TJ on this one. TJ, what would you give this one, a Sidekick, Hero, or Legend? Um, so, I don't normally watch Gotham. It's the one show, the one DC show I, I was never able to get into. So I, I, I watched this episode. I was confused as hell. <laughs> I had no idea what was going on. Um, so I, I'm going to go hero because I'm sure if I had seen episodes previous to it, I might have understood a little bit more. But man, I had no, like there were people I'm like, who the hell is this? When did they come into the <laughs> show? <laughs> All right, that makes sense. Makes sense. Uh, Rob, how about you? Uh, giving it a hero as well uh, from somebody who has seen the show many times and has been watching it nonstop. Um, yeah, there was a whole bunch about this episode that I'm like, eh. Uh, but nothing that was just kind of like, that was awesome. I mean, it was a good episode. I mean, Gotham this season has proved to be able to do a couple of really good episodes, but for the most part, this season's kind of coming off very mediocre, so. Yeah, um, I know you and I were talking about this yesterday. Um, we'll get into it later. Uh, yeah. About the, the about possibly the future of Gotham on this podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we still have a, a whole second half of the season to get through, so we're, we're going to wait on that a little bit. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go hero on this one as well. For a mid-season finale, nothing that really blew me away. Uh, and nothing that even really kept me in suspense looking forward to the show to come back. Right. You know, I, when I see midseason finale, uh, you know, I look for cliffhangers. I look for something huge that's going to make me anticipate this show coming back. And uh, I didn't really get that out of this episode at all. Uh, to be completely honest with you, I watched it once and I've pretty much almost already forgotten what happened. Yeah, it's it's not hard to feel that way about the show right now. Yeah. Uh, next up, we have Supergirl, also the mid-season finale of the show, season two, episode eight. Uh, Rob, we'll start with you on this one. Supergirl, uh, again, mid-season finale, as you mentioned, and uh, just it's such a fun show, man. Uh, this gets a legend right off the bat. If even if it was, I mean, like I said, there's minor, minor ties to the Invasion crossover. Most notably, those breaches randomly popping open uh, throughout the episode, but. As a mid-season finale, man, it was fantastic. So, yeah, legend for me. Uh, TJ? Uh, I've got to agree, and I'll probably get into this with the show, but if they're setting up what I think they are, I think it's going to be fantastic. I'll give it a legend, too. Uh, I'm going legend as well, and not necessarily because of the reasons, TJ, that you had just said, even though I've heard your theories on this, and if if it is the case, it wasn't anything I thought of, and... Now that I'm thinking about it, I wish there was a rating higher than Legend. But even without that, what you're, what we're going to be talking about a little bit later, I would still give this episode a Legend. So I'm in mm-hmm. on that one too. And of course, we have the Invasion storyline making up of the Flash season three, episode eight, Arrow season five, episode eight, and Legends of Tomorrow season two, episode seven. Uh, I'm going to start this one off, and I'm saying Legend. Off the bat, this was a phenomenal four-part, technically only three-part crossover, which we'll get to that in a little bit, too. Uh, But I'm going legend on this one. TJ, how about you? Oh, legend. This is 
this is like the culmination of everything I've ever wished for since I was a kid. I can't really sum it up better than that. Rob, how about you? Uh, out of our three-point scale, I give it a, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. Um, yeah, no, I I absolutely, lo- like, loved it. Like, I, I, I almost, you know, I try not to curse on the show, but expect when we go into this, like, you know, dropping plenty of F-bombs, so keep yeah. those kids away. <laughs> yeah, I, I can imagine that's that's really 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 what it's going to be uh all right so obviously we're going to save invasion for last because that's going to be the biggest point of topic uh for this podcast so let's get the the first couple knocked out first and we'll go back to uh into the secret origins portion we'll go back to gotham season three episode 11 uh, titled mad city beware the green-eyed monster mario and gordon face off before the wedding selena meets an unexpected face and barbara comes to enigma with information about isabella uh where do we begin with this one, uh, it, there's again, it's it's a very it's we gave it hero, but that's because it wasn't like completely boring. There was still stuff that happened, but again, for a mid season finale, very disappointing. Yeah, I mean, I I don't really understand why the show has lost so much of its footing. Like you know, season two, it brought it back in a, in a really fun way. Like it was constantly doing amusing things. Um, you know, this season's, you know, the Mad Hatter stuff at the beginning was a lot of fun. And then I just kept dragging and dragging and dragging. I'm like, why are we still in this story arc? It This was meant to ship in two episodes, three episodes at most. We've said this many times. And it's now proving to be very much to the point. And it has nothing to do with the actors. It just feels like the writers are struggling so much. And we've dealt with so many dumb storylines uh, that culminated to the mid-season point. Which has just been love triangle. Okay, this person's jealous, but this person, and that's what it's all been about. This entire front part of the season, like you have the court of owls building up. You've basically done nothing at all with Bruce, um, and it's it's like you're focusing on all the wrong characters. There's a lot of characters we love that we do want to see screen time, but when you overuse them, you don't get anything negative or positive. It just feels like the show is just trying to continue to exist. Yeah. I mean, and not only that, but, uh, you know, one of the other things I found pretty disappointing about this episode, too, is you have this whole second half of the season, which we know is we're pretty confident is going to focus on the Court of Owls. And you're you're going through this whole storyline with Bruce and the key and Talon and, you know, Selena helping him out. And the big reveal you make of this storyline is this woman helping a Selena's mother. What the hell does that have anything to do with the Court of Owls? Yeah. You know, that that's what I found as part of, like, one of the disappointments of, of that. And then I, I did find it, I will say, however, with the, the Mario and Gordon and, um, uh, um, Lee. Lee, yeah, could think of her name. Uh, that, that triangle. I did, I will say I do applaud them on the one thing in that Mario's goal to make Lee hate Gordon still happened. Yeah. Even with the death of Mario. Um, you know, ultimately he died in the end, but also ultimately he achieved his goal. Uh, it's almost like he knew this is how this was going to play out. Yeah. Like I said, the, like I said, the whole jealousy angle. Yeah, whatever. Sure. It's been but done. Yeah, it, it, it has been. I think the big thing that we got kind of got from this entire storyline, like I said, we got the reasonings and when, uh, Mario was infected by the touch virus, um, and really, when we saw that play out, I'm like, okay, all right, that makes sense. They kind of felt like they brushed it under the rug. I'm like, how do we do this? I don't know. Go 
go go back to the flashback when Gordon got knocked out by uh, you know Mad Hatter, um, and I'm like, all right, I guess that works. I don't see really any issue, but um, you know, Carmine is very much in and is not surprised by the fact that Mario is infected. Um, so obviously, I think we're going to see some fallout uh, between Carmine and Jim um, very soon. As far as obviously Jim now killing uh, his son, so. Uh, I think we are going to get our wish about seeing Carmine come back in a big bad way, which is one thing I am excited about. I mean, like I said, as we mentioned, this is not a bad episode by any stretch of the imagination. It just didn't do anything giant. I mean, these are things that we could have seen coming from, you know, three or four episodes back. Like, it was very clear to see where a lot of this was heading. Yeah. Um, I just, it's just, I think it's, the show is becoming very predictable when, uh, Penguin uh, was kind of saying how you know he was madly in love with Ed and kills Ed's girlfriend. Um, we all saw how that was going to shake up. I was like, okay, well, the second half of the season more than likely is going to be Ed trying to break the Penguin and bring him down. What we didn't see coming is Ed te- teaming up with Barbara Keen, Tabitha, and Butch to be the ones to do it. Uh, and I'm actually am excited to see that stuff play out. Because at least the dumb love, you know, love triangle that was Isabella, Penguin, and Ed is finally fucking over. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll actually like I said right off the bat. Now I will apologize for the amount of cursing I may potentially do about talking about Gotham. <laughs> <laughs> uh, TJ, from an outsider's perspective, as someone who doesn't really watch the show, what are some of the thoughts that you had on the episode? Um. So. Where did uh, Leslie start dating a Falcone? Why would she start dating a Falcone? I mean, I'm coming from a comic book perspective where Leslie Thompson hates violence and crime. And that she would knowingly get engaged to a guy who was the mob boss's son makes no sense to me whatsoever. Okay. Well, we can give you some quick backstory for this season. Uh, so when we come back into the season, uh, I think it's an episode or two episodes in, we see Lee return to Gotham. Uh, and Mario, uh, his last name, he does not go by Falcone. He actually is on the straight and narrow. Uh, he is a doctor. Uh, okay. He just happens to be the son of Carmine. Carmine is still retired at this point and is not in the game. Uh, but you also have to look at Lee being with Gordon last season. Gordon, exactly, oh, had... not on the straight and narrow at all as far as his police work. Um, and when we came into the season, Gordon was not a cop. He was kind of more or less a bounty hunter slash private eye um, <laughs> as he left the GCPD, which he is now back back in, in involved uh-huh. in. So uh, after uh, or shortly before Detective Barnes became in, uh, in Affected by the Tetch virus, so uh, and is now out of commission and is now safe and sound inside Arkham Asylum. So, <laughs> yeah, oh, man. yeah, that's the right response. <laughs> oh, Jesus. See, I, okay, so I didn't know that Leslie and Gordon had dated season two because mm-hmm. I have I haven't seen anything since season one, so this was confusing as hell to me. Um, but the because uh, in comics it's Alfred and Leslie who share an on again off again r- relationship, right. um, and then there was 
So Bruce, Selena, and Alfred were were trying to steal something, a, a key. Uh, they had a key that they found oh, okay. um, that tied back to the Court of Vows. Um, this woman by the name of Catherine, um, who has appeared a couple times so far this season, has talked to Bruce basically saying, you know, we find out that the court is the one somewhat responsible for the death of, well, not somewhat, but it very much is apparent that they are responsible for the death of Thomas and Martha Wayne um, and basically said, hey, we control your company from the inside. And if you do not back away, we will kill everyone that you know and love. Um, and they said, look, if you walk away now, this is done and over with, as long as you don't continue to look into us. We haven't gotten much on the court. They've kind of been building them up as the big bad for the second half of the season. So, yeah, uh, I mean, they're doing a good job with the court. The person that you saw fighting Alfred uh, yeah. this episode was one of the talents. Uh, it was okay. the, one, the second time or third time we've seen a talent so far. But oh, um, they lowered their threat rating. <laughs> and welcome into this Gotham half annual episode. Yeah, seriously. It's kind of like, <laughs> like I said, it's something we'll probably do during the long break. It's kind of a midseason report card, potentially. <laughs> uh, we have to kind of look at uh, how many weeks we have to to fill in, but maybe we'll do some kind of like, you know, a mid a mid annual just to kind of uh, get everybody back up to speed before the shows kick back off. Yeah. But me yeah ben, ben we, still have to look at a few things. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we still have, like, an, at least another week of, of shows, so it's right more to talk about. But um, getting back to Gotham, I don't really know what else to go back to, to be honest. Yeah. Um, I think we've pretty much covered everything. I mean, the only thing that we really didn't say is Lee and Mario do officially get married. Uh, Gordon tries to bring up the wedding multiple times. Well, not, not multiple, but, you know... Once or I would say once, maybe twice, based on how you want to view it. Um, but as we do get to the end of the episode, uh, we see uh, Mario just about to kill Lee with Gordon conveniently coming into the lake house at the last second, seeing him hold a knife up behind Leslie about to stab her, and he shoots him dead, uh, which means all Lee sees is Mario uh, um Drop to the ground. The knife that's in his hand conveniently also falls into the lake, so she's no idea that Mario was trying to kill her, and is just seeing a very what she expects to be a very jealous Jim Gordon. Yeah, I mean, hence shoots, the hence, shoots her new husband. Hence yeah. the green-eyed monster, right? The title of the, uh, you know, it, it's again, it's another double title in that, you know, Mario's really the one that's the green-eyed monster throughout the episode, and by the end, it may, it. It's Gordon that may right. come out to look like the Green Nine Monster of Jealousy. So it's, uh, you know, it's it's again, it's Gotham playing with the double entendre of of the title of their of their episode. Yeah, the only other thing that I think is worthwhile to bring up is uh, the reason why Barbara Keen is willing to help Ed take the Penguin down is because she now wants to rule the Gotham underbelly. And all I have to say about that is yes, 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 exactly. <laughs> Let this she- happen, please. Because she's been phenomenal this season. Every time that she's been in the scene, she has, is actually is a scene stealer. And she's great to watch. She's been such a great part of the show. Uh, and it has continued to be. And uh, it'll be great to see Ed in a new area. And I'd love to see, I'm looking forward to seeing this rivalry begin now between Penguin and Riddler. So. I, I want to see a... And I, I have a feeling we're going to see it, especially after this episode. But I think the idea of a Edward Nigma. Barbara Keene, Tabitha, and Butch team up is fantastic. Yeah, it is something big to look forward to. Yes. So, so especially up against, you know, you've got four people who want to take over the underworld. 
going up against Penguin and and the Underworld, basically, because he's the one that runs him now. So we'll see how that plays out next season, uh, or next half of the season. Uh, but let's move on to what is technically part one of the Invasion storyline, uh, and we'll talk a little bit about that after I read the synopsis. But we have Supergirl Season 2, Episode 8, uh, titled Medusa. As Eliza comes to National City for Thanksgiving, Kara turns to Lena for help when Cadmus unleashes a virus that instantly kills aliens, then is asked by Barry Allen and Cisco Ramon for help with the alien invasion on their Earth. Um, for starters... I want to start with this. To anybody listening, to any of our listeners who are listening, I don't think you fall into this category because you do listen to us, so this is something you've known for a while. But one of the biggest points of contention about that I've seen online about this four-part crossover that they've been advertising it as is that people are mad Supergirl was not a bigger part of it. We've known for weeks this was not going to start until the last minute of Supergirl. Right, if you... and it's and it's not even just us saying this. Any place that you've gone, IGN, uh, if you read any places like you know comic book, comic book dot com, the places that we con- constantly go to for our news sources, uh, and even just the Twitter accounts for any of these shows, have been very open for over a month now that this is a three part crossover. Really, things kick off in Supergirl, and the reason being, even Kraysberg came out and said this week. The reason this happened was because this was Supergirl's midseason finale. Uh, the set that they do all of their work in it for in Vancouver um, is farthest away from every other set. And they needed to make sure that Supergirl's stuff was done and out of the way. So they were able to get her over there and she had more time to be able to shoot uh, for that show. Because as this was wrapping up um, and the crossover was finished... They only had a couple days off, and then they shot the Ken Smith episode, which is the episode we'll see, which is the Supergirl Lives episode uh, in the coming off of the midseason break. So they didn't have a lot of time to use Melissa, so they had to do it the best they could. So this is how it worked out. Yeah. So, I mean, like I said, I, anybody who listens to us, I, I you, you fall in the minority because we've been saying for weeks that we've known this is how it's going to be. I was not disappointed at all. I basically just waited patiently until the end of the episode to see how it was going to kick off. And in that sense, I was not disappointed one bit. Yeah, I have to agree. Yeah. Uh, but let's get into the meat of the episode, this obviously being the mid-season finale of Supergirl. Uh, as we had mentioned, we saw Medusa, which was a virus that uh, killed off you know, a, a lot of aliens in the city. Uh, TJ, we'll start with you. What are some of your thoughts for this uh, this midseason finale, Supergirl? I thought it was I thought it was very well done. Uh, my my only complaint was that everything got wrapped up um very quickly. Like Marsha Manhunter thing was resolved. The Medusa virus was cured quickly. Um. And it, uh, but then I thought of something which I'll get into an invasion that made me it made me go, oh, maybe they did it for this. I, I think it, I know exactly where you're going with that too because I had the same thought. Um, but whole uh, overall, I enjoyed the hell out of it. It was an amazing. I love Supergirl because it's everything that I want out of Superman. Um. And 
I just, I think it's fantastic. I think it's a great thing that they're doing. And uh, it, it just seems to me that it's, uh, this, this episode I thought was very strong. I didn't, like, the, the tying into Invasion, like you said, we knew about that for weeks. But I also thought it was cool how the portal kept opening and distracting things. I thought that was that was a really nice touch. Yeah, it's, it was a good way to keep, um, the, you know, the idea that Invasion was going to be kicking off on this episode um, throughout the episode. It was a good way to keep that fresh in your mind so that, you you know, by the time you got to the end of the episode, the payoff was kind of there. Right. Um, I mean, I, I guess we can touch on it a little bit in that it, what you had mentioned to the, the same thought that I think we had kind of had. And I'm going to I'll bring up mine and I'll see if it's the same thing. Did you kind of have the thought that maybe they were going to use Medusa to defeat the aliens for invasion? No, I'll, I'll get so this is going a little bit into invasion. But um, so when Barry came to Supergirl's uh, world, when he went back, only a couple of seconds had passed. Um, whereas a couple of days had passed on Kara's world. So I'm wondering if they're going to use a, um, like, the fact that time theoretically would pass differently. Um, So when Supergirl comes back to her world after invasion, I'm wondering if some time is going to have passed. The episode, when they come back, is called Supergirl Lives, which in my mind goes, she's been gone for a while and no one knows where she's been. Oh, that's an interesting so theory. Might, yeah, so actually, I never thought of that. She might come back and six months might have passed. Which then goes, okay, well, that's why they introduced Guardian. Because, and you notice they said it was bullet-resistant. the bulletproof. Which we now know Monel is not. So if Monel, t- t- you know, in six months, Monel is now Guardian. You know, James gave him a, the suit because he was going to be a better fit for it. Um, I, I don't. You know, I, I don't think they're going to go in that direction. I think we'll, maybe we'll come back to seeing Monel actually as just a hero at this point. Yeah, and then Guardians got you know is you know National City's one of his the big hero, heroes. Maybe that's when we'll see a change over the classic Guardian suit. Uh, it gives them a reason to move things forward a bit. Um, you could have. McGann and John Nail actually maybe doing some stuff together. I think this would be a really cool idea. I never even gave it a second thought until you bring that up, but that could open the doors for so many things. Right, and now you, now you have Supergirl coming back to a city that missed her, but maybe not necessarily. You know, people stepped up to fill in for her. Um, so she's coming back, and now she has to figure out where she now fits in this new dynamic. That, now, I could be completely wrong because I can't find anything about this thing online. So, well, that could just be because things have, are being uh, tightly under wrap. But that's a really, yeah. really interesting and good theory that would totally uh, make sense with the title of that episode, "Supergirl Lives." Yeah, right. And then, I mean, it could also have just been you know because last season Supergirl was on a different network. That then that's the reason why Flash was only gone for a couple of seconds on his 
show. But I, I thought that would make sense that the worlds have different, yeah, because they're on different free vibrational frequencies that they that time would pass differently. Yeah, that's very true. And we now also know too that uh, Supergirl is Earth thirty eight. Yes. Um, so it, it's nice to know that it's no longer being called Earth CBS, which yes. they've been kicking around for a while. Uh, but yeah, so we now know officially Supergirl or thirty eight. Yeah. And. The only real main heroes are Supergirl and Superman. So, like, the big the big heroes. I mean, there's going to be, mm-hmm. I'm sure they're going to find ways around that, but that's something we did get in, into Invasion. So, But I think dialing back to this midseason finale, um, it seems like Cadmus is actually kind of wrapped up. Uh, kind of surprising. Obviously, you know, we see, uh, uh, oh, my God, I'm trying to remember her name. Is it Lillian Luther? I believe, yeah. yes. Lena, okay. Lena, or, the mother or the daughter? Well, the mother. Oh. Oh. I'm pretty sure they are, uh, well, Brenda Strong, uh, so yeah. we'll say the actress. Um, I'm, but I'm pretty sure it's it's uh, Lillian Luther. It, it's uh, Lillian we, Luther, I just confirmed. Okay, cool. Um, so we see her now, you know, with the virus that uh, Hank Hedgehog, Cyborg Superman, did steal from the Fortress of Solitude and getting ready to weaponize it. Uh, she does go to her daughter to help use the tech, which is this isotope that she has in her possession, which is isotope 454. And the moment that was uttered, uh, my brain started just turning, turning its gears nonstop. And it goes back to something that, Ben, you brought up last week. Um, Superman 454, or it was Action Comics 454, I can't quite remember, is a very infamous storyline. Um when we see Clark in Warworld, and uh, we get a little tie to Warworld um, a little bit later in this episode. Um, but that specifically, that being the big episode though, where Superman meets the cleric, uh, a lot of people may know him, and he is given the information about the Eradicator mm-hmm. for the very first time. And so when this popped into play, I started wondering more and more and more, is the Eradicator actually coming to the show at some point. I'm telling you, I think my theory is it's still very, very early on, but yeah, um, um, I, I think my theory has some water to it now. I think I think I, my theory holds some water. I think so, and that reason that I was also another little bit of a part of this is uh, in this episode too. We do get a cutaway at one point in time to space, and we see a ship we have never seen before, and there are three figures that are cloaked that have no faces and immediately i think tj backed me up on this one but i think we're seeing the durlins for the very first time in the show which would make a lot of sense um and it makes me wonder because we did get a little story a couple episodes back when monel first kind of woke up out of his little coma um exactly what was going on with him and he mentions at one point when he is locked up uh that he did see i forget who the fighter was but he saw a fight with um this one, uh, su- uh, you know, super-powered being uh, back on Warworld. Um, and that ties very close to that, that 454 episode that's somebody that Superman actually fights. So I have a feeling that these Derlins are trying to track down Monel, who's actually on the run um, and has ties to Warworld. We're going to be going, and I think we're going to see them try to abduct him at some point. And we are going to get an episode or two where they are actually on Warworld. So that'd be amazing. So maybe we'll see the cleric there speak to Kara 
and the Eradicator will come to pass yeah. shortly after. But that's exactly where my brain is going at this point from what we got in this episode. TJ, I don't, well, guys, I, I don't, uh, no, go ahead, go ahead. I, I was going to say, you guys are missing the other big name that came out of uh, the War World comics, which was Mongol. Oh, yeah. I mean, we we brought that up kind of loosely okay. a, couple, a couple weeks back when they first brought up um, Warworld for the first time on the show. And I'm going to uh, apologize because I'm going to try not to say that word too many times because it always kind of turns into mush when you say it out loud. <laughs> uh, but, but yeah, um, I, my guess is, yeah, there's a high chance that maybe they're veering away from Cadmus at this point. Uh, and so. then the second part of this season is going to be a big focus on potentially Mongol as being the big bad, or maybe we'll see the Eradicator and Cyborg Superman team up as what Ben mentioned, uh, because we know he is still alive and well at this point at the end of this episode after the big fight with Cyborg Superman and Hank Henshaw, uh, slash John Jones, however you want to put it. So Hank versus Hank, we'll just say, um, but yeah, give us a lot to think about for the future of this season. And I think this is a great direction to go. If they brought in Mongol and Eradicator and we have Cyborg Superman still on the loose, man, we're talking about an exciting potential finale here. Really exciting. Yeah. Yeah, and TJ, I don't know if you are are aware of my what my theory is uh when okay. it, when it comes to Eradicator is that I believe after last week's episode with the introduction of Hank Henshaw as Cyborg Superman, but still seeing uh, Jeremiah Danvers' return, at, you know, in in the form of Dean Cain, we had initially made the thought or were hopeful that Dean Cain was going to come back as Cyborg Superman. Um, but now that he is still involved with Cadmus, which we know, uh, I thought it was very convenient that after helping them escape, the gunmen come down the stairs, start shooting at Kara and Monel, and Jeremiah has suddenly disappeared. I think it's because he, yeah. I think it's because he has the abilities because I believe he is the Eradicator. Oh, or is on the verge of becoming the Eradicator. I think he has abilities okay. that were given to him by Cadmus. Hmm. So I don't. I, yeah, I don't think that we're going to see Jeremiah Danvers return as Cyborg Superman. I think he is the one that's going to become Eradicator. Mm-hmm. That could be cool. Um, so I guess some of the other things to think about here, real quick, in this episode, were we got. Uh, the start of two relationships in this in this episode. We saw Maggie Sawyer and Alex finally get together at the end of the episode, which uh, they've been continually handling that amazing. We've been doing nothing but praising the way that they've handled that so far. And I'm really looking forward to seeing that play out. But we saw Monel and Kara share a kiss, which uh, Monel states, quote unquote, that he forgot all about. Obviously, not probably the case. I was going to say, do we think um, that's true? No. No, but uh, like I said, I'm I'm really excited to see that that all actually you know start you know that ball starting to roll. Um, I think that's actually they've had such great chemistry, Melissa and Chris Wood uh, on on screen so far, and I think it's a really great call. Um, but in, in addition, we got the answer that we've been wondering for a while is where Lena Luther really stands in the midst of all this stuff. And they uh they they did uh one of those fast ones, and you were like, well, she's a Luther. Look, she's helping her mother. They're going to wipe out all the alien life. And then as the isotope goes off, and she, we see Medusa spread out into the populace. What happens? But nothing. It does absolutely nothing to anybody. Um, and we found out that Lena is all actually is on the up and up at least so far. So far. But I am. I am actually very, very happy to see that they're keeping Katie McGrath uh, 
in the positive, in a very positive light so far. Um, she's been a really fun addition to the show so far, and I really want to see what they're going to do with her. Uh, and I'm really curious. Maybe there's going to be a bit, be a bit of a more bond between her and you know Kara at some point, as far as maybe working together, which would be kind of cool to see. You know, uh, somebody from the House of L and a Luther actually getting along. So, it'd be kind of cool. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, one thing I will say that I was. I was kind of disappointed about, and correct me if <clears throat> if I'm wrong. I might have just simply forgotten, and I I don't think that's the case. Um, and when I say disappointed, I don't mean it has any effect on my rating of the episode. But we only got mention of the Guardian this week. We didn't actually get to see Guardian at all this week. Yeah, I think I think that's right. But I, I'm okay with that. <laughs> oh, I am too. I mean, and it's it's. If you, it's funny because if you go back a couple weeks, a couple issues of this episode, you've gotten like the complete opposite side of the spectrum from me. Whereas I was very skeptical, skeptical about Guardian, and now I'm complaining that we didn't get to see him. <laughs> so I mean, it's I, I've completely come around on that character, uh, and I, I don't know. I'm still not sold 100% on the character because I, I, I want to see a change in color of the outfit. But other than that, I haven't been disappointed one bit in the in the direction they've been going with that. Yeah, I, I think it's still working. I know a lot of people aren't liking it still. I know, TJ, I believe you were still one of those people. Um, but my, you, okay. my biggest problem with it is I just, like, I don't get Olsen's motivations for it. Like, personally, I think that at this point, Supergirl should go to work for the DEO and they should cut out Catco completely because we've lost Cat Grant and that pretty much the only reason to keep Catco in the mix. I think if you want full DEO because Wynn's already working there and James Olsen could be the r- reporter that tips off the DEO about stuff, I think that would work even better than having to keep going back to Catco. Well, I mean, that's the one thing we haven't been seeing very much of, though, the last couple episodes. Catco has yeah. kind of been an afterthought. I mean, and they cut away from there for every once in a while. Um, and I think that might be also part because of that's that set is, I don't know if where they're shooting that, if they just rebuilt that set um, so far. So I'm very curious to see how that's playing out. But I, I don't think Catco really does need to be in the mix anymore, I think. They just make mention of certain things here and there. He gives a quick shot. Um, we don't need to see Kara climb the ranks of being a reporter. Um, I, I don't think it's necessary. James taking over there with nobody else being there. There's no reason to spend too much time there, with the exception of Kara being there. Um, yeah. It'd be a different thing if they kept Monel working there. But um, all I think we would get from those sequences is Monel sleeping his way through the entirety of the office, <laughs> and that would be about it. Um, we, so we get a couple good laughs here and there, but I think they maybe should hold back on that until close to Flockhart make her next appearance where they cut back to it here and there, but that's it. Because they did yeah. say she will be a recurring guest star throughout the season. We don't know when. I'm sure that all has to do with her schedule and if they have something big they want to write her into. So, um, But yeah, I think right now it doesn't make a lot of sense to focus on it. I think they could have found other ways to have... Um, James in the mix, but I actually am really enjoying seeing him and Wynn play vigilantes together um, just because they're fun characters when they interact. Uh, yeah, they, bring, I mean, they, I... they bring a lot of levity to the show. Yeah. Yeah, I like yeah. the interaction between the two characters. I just I don't buy Olsen's motivations in this at all. Well, <laughs> his, his father's camera broke. 
Yeah. <laughs> and and when my father's camera broke, I immediately put on a high tech suit and went out to fight crime. Look, oh, but no, yeah. I'm sorry. I got but the camera. It was, it was a really old, important camera. <laughs> that's the big difference. That's that's the big, big difference. I mean, do you have that much of your life all all in this one thing? I mean, it's important. You know, yeah, so <laughs> especially in an age of digital cameras, I'm not entirely sure why he was carrying his father's camera around with him. Well, I think, hey, he's, I think he honest. still used it. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but no, I mean, I, I do understand your reasons and thought process on the motivation. I think the big thing that we did get, which was a couple of weeks back when they first brought him into the mix of him saying he felt like a sidekick constantly and had no ability to do anything. And it wasn't the fact that his father's camera broke, but it was the fact that he felt helpless in a situation where he could have saved more people uh when we saw the alien tech being used on the streets so i think i think it still works i think it absolutely still works i know me and ben are definitely on board but i can totally understand your thought process so. yeah yeah exactly uh i know one of the other things i wanted to bring up too is um we we got a resolve as far as the blood transfusion with the white martian blood being, tra- being transfused into uh john jones and it turning him into a white Martian himself. Uh, but we find out, you know, that the Medusa virus is actually the cure for that, which mm-hmm. I was very curious how they were going to resolve that. Uh, it seemed like it resolved rather quickly, but like like almost to the point where I, I almost had to quick rewind that part real quick just to catch what happened. Because I think it was one of those moments where if you blinked, you you would miss it, and you would go into the rest of the season saying, wait a minute, what happened with John and the White Martian? Yeah. Um, but, I mean, it's nice that it's resolved. So I, I'm not really yeah. going to say that it's it's a bad thing that it happened. Yeah, no, I, I totally totally get you on that. I think it works. The way that they did it, It's it still absolutely works. So, um, I think... I, I think what's going on with this issue so far is we're struggling to get through Gotham and Supergirl because there's just one thing we really want to talk about. Yeah, no, it's yeah. um so we had two mid-season finales in Gotham and Supergirl, Gotham with the hero, Supergirl with the legend, uh, a lot of fun, but it all leads up to the end of Supergirl, which is the kickoff to what we really, 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 really want to talk about, uh, and that is Invasion. So, obviously, at the end of Supergirl, we see Barry and Sko finally show up, uh, and the moment that happens, there's a huge smile on my face. Oh, yeah, and that's like, oh, my God, the episode's done. Why is it not the next day? Yes, it's like, <laughs> okay, all right. And see, while you guys, Rob, I know you cracked and watched them uh, week to week or day to day. I waited and it was a struggle to wait because I made the mistake of saying to myself, you know what? I can watch Supergirl because I know it's not going to be until the end that the the invasion is going to kick off. So I can watch Supergirl. It's its own episode and I'll be fine. That was a huge mistake because I watched (laughs) Supergirl Tuesday night after Flash had aired and I got to the end of Supergirl and I was like, son of a bitch. Why did I agree to have to wait for this? And I stayed strong. And Thursday night, I got home from work. I started Flash, watched Arrow, and timed it perfectly so that when Legends started, I went right into Legends, and I watched it back to back to back. And it was amazing. It was so good. Uh, And I've since watched at least the Flash and Arrow parts again 
Uh, I still have to go back and rewatch Legends again, too. But we see Barry and Cisco show up to Earth 36? 38. 38. 38. Uh, to recruit Kara. And it was amazing. Just it was, you know, Barry saying, hey, remember that time I helped you out? And you agreed if I needed help. And she just looks at him and is like, what do we got? Episode ends. Yeah. To be continued on Flash. Let's get into it. Let's get into Invasion. Yeah. Uh, uh, I... I got to say right off the bat, and we can't bury the lead and then wait on this one, but God damn it, we got the Hall of You justice, stole man. my thunder, you bastard. Hey, <laughs> we all wanted to talk about it. Let's be honest. We got the damn Hall of Justice in this show, and it's I love that it's an old Star Labs locale. I love the way that they came about putting this in the show where they were trying to figure out where to, how to have them hang out. They're like, do we just have them go city to city? And like, well, there's – and one of the writers or one of the artists on the show was just kind of like, look, the Hall of Justice is based off of this building in like – I think it's like Cincinnati or Chicago or something like that. And they're like, let's just find stock footage and redo it. And they're like, oh, my God, this will be amazing. And the moment that that came up on screen, man, I was just giddy. That was such a great moment. Anytime they cut back to that place, man, I was so excited. And I can't wait to see if – they maybe start doing something with that. I, like, I, I, I did not anticipate seeing the Hall of Justice, so it was a great no. surprise as part of this episode. Uh, but I will freely admit, I let out an audible fangirl squeal mm-hmm. the first time I saw the Hall of Justice on screen. I do you think? Oh, do you think we're maybe going to start spending more time there? Um, because if they do indeed turn the Star Labs that we know of now into uh into the actual museum the star labs museum that hr has been talking about uh do you think we might see team flash head over to the hall of justice uh it's it's not a bad idea actually considering that star labs is going to be in very much in the public eye again so it's going to be very difficult to hide a lot of the things that they do there Uh, so i didn't really put two and two together with that but i i don't think that would be a bad idea to be honest uh, I mean, it might be tough to port a lot of the things that they already have over to an airplane hangar, but because I, I don't know, uh, while while Star Labs, while the Hall of Justice is an airport hangar, I don't know which is bigger. I still think Star Labs is bigger. Yeah. So yeah, uh, there's definitely more room at Star Labs. Yeah, I don't think they're gonna. I don't think they're gonna move Flash Gang there. Um, I think that will be reserved for. <laughs> crossovers i think so i maybe the next time we see it we'll see them have developed the inside of that place a lot more yeah yeah like oh this is what you know just in case we need to do this again we made upgrades yeah um though i will say every time they cut to it in my head all i could hear was that old announcer from when i was a kid oh i said that last night when when we were all together i said the only thing that would have made that more perfect is if somebody had just said, meanwhile, and it didn't even have to be at the Hall of Justice because it wasn't really, it wasn't called the Hall of Justice. So for them to say that would be kind of odd and out of place. But even if like Cisco said, meanwhile, Star Labs or, you know, meanwhile in Star City, I, I would have, again, audibly squealed if yeah. somebody had said something along those lines. Because there was so many, so many great, just fun little nods to, um, you know, to previous episodes, not only previous episodes, but previous projects that these actors have done before. 
Um, mm-hmm. I know uh, we'll mention it a little bit later, but Rob, your line of the week is one of those prime examples of that. Oh, yeah, most definitely. Um, and while we're on line of the week, man, it was tough to decide because there were so many great one-liners. Oh, I know. I mean, All I three think- of these. If that's what like half of this this thing felt like is like these are some of the best lines this show has ever thrown out or all three of these shows have ever thrown out and we got basically in this hour and forty five you know minute you know movie yeah <laughs> so um but but yeah I, I I don't even know where to start for this um, well it's funny you bring that up because I don't even think invasion knew where to start with this because we start in the midst of battle when this episode yeah. begins and then it jumps backwards to how everything starts so i don't really think there's a point i think let's just dive into it let's just start talking about it i don't really think we have to necessarily go in on in order of everything we of course we're going to talk about how this was not only invasion for arrow but it was also the hundredth episode uh Mm -hmm. for arrow which i will say right off the bat i was very skeptical about how they were going to handle the hundredth episode also being part of crossover but man it was flawless it was perfect not was, only to the storyline, yeah, yeah. Not only to the storyline of invasion, but also to the heart and the past of Arrow. It was done beautifully. Yeah, I, I gotta say right off the bat, one of the things, and like, yeah, I think this is where we'll give our praise to Arrow one hundred, uh, and actually, as Oliver Queen, as a, in general, through the entirety of this crossover, we saw old school Oliver Queen in this, where the moment he meets Kara, is he's kind of like, nope, nope, I'm not willing to believe the aliens at this point. Sorry, that's not happening. Uh, he's like, as he, he kind of says it, he's taking hold of and a control of normalcy. And then he kind of, by the end of all of this, realizing, like, nope, we don't have normalcy. This is the world we live in. I have to kind of accept that. But that kind of also spoke very heavily for him in his specific part of this, uh, this you know, event where he gets his black mercy moment, his flashpoint moment of seeing the world that could have been for him. Which now puts all of these characters on a very equal playing field. And I love the fact that they did this. But we got a very different Oliver Queen by the time this whole thing wrapped up. But the the fact that they celebrated that show's five years so far. And they did it so great. They brought back actors we thought we'd never see on the show again. And the ones that they couldn't, they found great ways to nod at them. Um, And it was perfect. Everything about that, what they did here was phenomenal. Uh, Tommy Merlin, as they mentioned... Sorry, sorry, he couldn't be here for the uh, the wedding, but he's incredibly busy right now with uh, his time working, uh, you know, in Chicago. Who'd ever think he'd be a doctor, you know? Yeah. And th- that nod to that actor now being on Chicago Med, I believe. I think, yeah, I think yes. that's the show. Yeah. So, but yeah, all these little things, they were done so phenomenally. There was great nods to all of these characters, their history in the comic books together, to just the things we've seen in the show. And everything that they pulled out was great. I mean... You know, Laurel, seeing Laurel back into the mix as Ollie's uh, fiance and her wearing the black canary emblem around her neck, which looked fantastic to see on screen. Everything they did here was a great nod to everybody that loved certain characters together or wanted to see certain characters. They they gave you everything you needed here. And uh, I, I don't think there was a single moment of it that did not work. Yeah. Um, I know this is something that we kind of brought last night, and I, I want to bring it up again, too, because this is something that I know all three of us agreed upon. Um, and I'll bring it up, and then, TJ, I'll turn it over to you to see what your thoughts on this are. But okay. this um, – I brought this up last night. This 100th uh, – Arrow 100, this was Oliver's flashpoint. 
Um, you know, whereas we saw Barry got to relive his past with his mother, uh, you know, his mother and father by changing things. And while Oliver didn't do anything to make this happen, he relived or got to the point of what his life would be like now if his parents were still alive. Um, so I, TJ, I think you were one of the ones that agreed with me on this last night. Uh, yeah, it was, it was very much, it's the same way they did, um, the Black Mercy episode of Supergirl last season, uh, for the girl who had everything. Um, I very, I very much enjoyed the, the, I guess, flash sideways into this world, you know, didn't exist. I thought it spoke volumes about, um, who... The the people who were trapped in there, who they really connected to in their past. Um, <laughs> like Oliver was with Laurel, he wasn't with Felicity, right? Uh, but uh, but Ray was. Yeah. Uh, though I thought Ray's involvement was probably the weakest. Uh, in the episode, like he really was just kind of there. Um, I think they could have just taken the other four without taking him, and I don't think the episode would have lost anything. Well, I think the reason why they did that, though, was because this being the Arrow 100, I mean, let's not forget, Brandon Routh's character of Ray Palmer started on Arrow. So right, this yeah. was going back, and they brought back everybody who originally started on that show. So I know right. why they brought him. Um, And I, I was actually fine with it. I don't think... um. I didn't really seeing him there. I didn't really think he felt out of place at all. I just thought that, you know, this was just another way for them to bring back an original Arrow cast member to back to Arrow for the 100th. Yeah. And yeah. it's not that he was out of place. It was more that he didn't seem to have a lot to do. Yeah, he he did feel a little bit more like the afterthought out of all of them. But I think it's also because, again, the one thing they did really well in Invasion is they still made sure that if you liked a certain type of show... Like, if you're primarily a Flash fan over Arrow or Legends of Tomorrow, the Flash episode felt like a Flash episode still. It still had the tone of, of a Flash episode. The dialogue fit it the best. Arrow, it felt like an Arrow episode. Um, with, you know, obviously where you're jumping away and seeing other things now as well. But this worked out really nicely because Legends had the Legends feel. Like, we did, dealt with time travel in Legends. Arrow, it felt very on the street level, especially with the fight that we get in that episode. Uh, and then... You know, Flash had that very fantastical feel. So they all still, written, like, you know, maintained what makes their shows their shows in their episode. But then making them blend all together was what was really, truly amazing. But with Arrow, I think the fact that they took it as a moment to slow down and reflect in the last five years of the show was the the best part about it. And it culminated in one of the best fights the show has ever given us. Uh, when we see Sarah Lance... Uh, you know, Thea, Ollie, and uh, Ray Palmer, uh, you know, kind of decide, like, you know, dismantling some of the biggest bads that's ever ever appeared on Arrow, Don't, with the exception of Rachel Gold. Don't forget Dig. Oh, yeah, and Dig. Obviously, Dig is in the mix there, too. Um, but it was amazing to see these people square off. Like, Sarah basically gets the feeling of finally killing Damien Dark. Mm -hmm. Um, we see Deathstroke and, and Oliver square off and, you know, all of this was so 
fucking cool to watch. Everything about this fight was amazing. Like the choreography of it was the, some of the best I've ever seen in any of these shows. Well, episode uh, uh, that w- the episode. Let's not forget to mention too, directed by James Bamford, who yeah, started yeah. as the stunt coordinator for that show. Right, and he looks like he just pulled out every one of the stops. I think my favorite shot in all of that is uh oh my god i'm trying to remember who was it it was speedy firing an arrow sarah catching it and then stabbing deathstroke uh something or no it was uh, stabbing malcolm Rowan, i believe wasn't it yeah yeah but oh man it was just fucking awesome (laughs) yeah everything about that was just such a great sequence i mean they did everything about this so well and right off the bat i think we got to say easily the best performance that Stephen amell has ever given on this show um, I, I can't say anything better about the job he did. Um, he did such a beautiful job through all those sequences. You felt everything, and, and you felt the journey. Like, you really saw the journey play out of how far the show really has come. Um, and especially seeing everybody's lives as normal, because it brings you back to that very first first season. And uh, it, it proves that the show has actually transformed quite a bit and this was them reminding that I think it was a mixture of reminding the the viewers of the journey that you've spent with these characters and everything about it was perfect. It was such a great celebration of the show. Yeah. I mean, and, and not only that, too, but I mean, you mentioned the acting from from Steven in this episode. And I've I've mentioned this before, whereas, you know, in four seasons, we're into the fifth now. But in the four seasons that we got before, I've only ever maybe welt up, uh, you know, and maybe shed a tear uh, once, and that was from Paul Blackthorne's acting in the episode where Laurel Lance is killed. Uh, that has changed, as in, um, I, I almost welled up a couple times in this episode because of Steven's acting, and it was Steven that did it. I mean, at the end, at the episode when he, you know, when th- this is ending and he's going back and they're all leaving, and you see the ghosts of his past, you know, people including Colton Haynes, you know, and who didn't return for the show, but it was nice to see them find a way to get him in there. Yeah. Uh, well, I think, that, you know, it was, it was emotional nice, and I loved it. Yeah. I mean, one of the nice little nods too. I mean, there was a great article. I, I haven't been able to track down. Um, I couldn't remember where I read it from, but they did say things that were cut through of all of invasion. And they did say that one of the things that people wanted to know is, uh, why, you know, Colton wasn't there obviously had to do with him filming, uh, another show that he's working on right now. But, um, they did say that he actually would have been dating Thea. So if anybody was wondering where he, his character would have existed in that timeline, him and Thea would still be together. So, um, but yeah, so, all right, well, since we talked at a decent length about, you know, the 100th section for Arrow, let's dive back to the beginning of all of this stuff kicking off, uh, especially with how the show opens in a big, bad way. Uh, you mentioned this being kind of out of sequence and not knowing where to start, um, we see Flash and Oliver very much on the run from everybody being mind-controlled. And this big, epic, quick shot. And it was kind of amazing seeing all these characters and Supergirl flying above them, um, trying to kill Flash and Green Arrow. Uh, this was such a great way to open this whole thing. Absolutely awesome way to open this whole thing. Yeah, and I, I love the, the you know, like, what do we do now, fearless leader? You know, <laughs> Oliver turning to, to Barry about that. And uh, I I will freely admit, the way this episode started, I thought there was something wrong with my recording. 
Because I was like, wait a minute, yeah. like, why are we starting here? And then I thought about uh, it, I'm like, wait yeah. a minute, okay, th- this kind of makes sense. Uh, I have the same thought, it's okay, you're not the only one. Okay, good. Um, you know, because it starts right in the middle of it. But I do have to say, um, a nice reoccurring theme throughout the entire run of this invasion in all three episodes. Um, Alright, I'm, I'm going to pose it with this question. Out of all the characters that we saw, because... One of the things, Rob, and you mentioned this with the tones of the shows, is that each show kind of kept its own tone while blending nicely with everything else. Um, you know, we got to see, um, you know, we got to see Wally and Iris and Joe in the Flash episodes, and then when it transitioned into Arrow, we see the Arrow cast, and we kind of get away from the side characters of Flash. It goes into Legends, and now we see Nate, we see Vixen, and you know, all the other side characters from the other shows go away at least until the end of Legends when we see a lot of them return. Uh, so you're right. They kept a lot of the tones, but I still loved certain moments with Supergirl. We got the music from Supergirl in the background. Uh, there was a moment in Legends when uh, there was something that ended with Barry and the transition going in the commercial was the Flash transition. Uh, mm-hmm. So I loved the little nods like that to each show as it blended everything together. Um, but my question is, out of all the, the cascade of characters that we got... Uh, from everybody from, well, I I can't really say everybody from Supergirl because Supergirl was the only one. Uh, but everybody from from Supergirl, everybody from from Flash, everybody from Arrow, everybody from Legends. Who do you think was the biggest standout of the everybody? The MVP of it all? Yes. Um. Oh God, that's a hard question. Uh, I I actually am going to say the MVP of all of this is probably Ollie, and I didn't expect to say that. TJ, what what are your thoughts on this? My mine goes back and forth between uh, Ollie and uh, Flash Barry. The I it, I liked how they you know it, it, like in the end they went and they shared a drink, um, even though it was the end of the Legends episode. It was between the two of them. Like one of my favorite moments is when Barry's like, "I'm gonna stay. Uh, I'm gonna stay here. You guys in the Flash episode. I'm gonna stay here. You guys go go." And uh, Ollie's like, "This is flipping ridiculous. It's Barry Allen. Yeah, get over it, people." Um, and then going the up, uh, <clears throat> then in uh, whoop, sorry. <laughs> oh, uh, then in uh, Legends, Barry was like, I- "I'm." They want me. I'm going to go do it. This isn't a question. I'm going to go do. It. I'm going to go turn myself over. Yeah. But I thought I thought it was. It thought both of them were probably like right up there as my MVP. Yeah, uh, Cisco was a very notable, uh, you know, thought process for that for me too. So, but yeah, I, I still in my brain I loved how much growth it felt like we saw out of Ollie. How about you, Ben? Um, you know, I, I agree with you both. Uh, I do like, uh, you know, obviously I do like Oliver's, perf- uh, Steven's performance and I do like Oliver standing up and, um, you know, and, and Barry being the stand up guy that he was. Um, I, I'm going to say Supergirl on this one. Uh, not just because it was cool to see her show up, but with the exception of the time that she was under the control of the Dominators. Every time she appeared on screen, it brought a smile to my face because her character is so just happy and bubbly 
that even in this time of an invasion of aliens, like just seeing her on screen made me smile. Yeah. Um, that I'll agree with. You know, so, I mean, there are times when, you know, like when, when they're training and she's literally just hovering there and Mick's hitting her with the heat wave and Ray's hitting them with, you know, hitting her with blast from the arrow suit and Oliver shooting arrows at her and they're all doing this and she's just sitting there smiling. You know, as in like you can tell like if you could if you were able to read this character's mind, it would be this is so fucking cool. Yeah. You know, that I'm a part of this. Like it's and just that underlying attitude and and emotion from her character, I just loved seeing it. So, I mean, for me, Supergirl was uh, – she was probably the most standout character of, of the entire run. Yeah. Uh, you know, actually, because, like, I, I don't think it makes any sense for us to do, like, synopsis breakdowns and plot threads and stuff like that. Well, I mean, we'll touch upon everything that we can. Um, one of the things i got to say, let's kind of, like, talk about this a little bit with the way that we talk about some of the annuals. So what are your guys' top three moments of this crossover? Oh my god! Because I definitely, I have, oh I gotta god. say, I definitely have mine in my brain. If I just have to think about it for a half a second, um, one of the big ones right off the bat was, um, you know, Nate Haywood coming in almost in a very Han Solo esque moment and saving the day and saving the Dominator ship that is being piloted by everybody, uh, you know, Ollie, Thea, Sarah, Adam, and Dig. Uh, or not really being piloted, but kind of more plummeting to the Earth as they have tons of Dominator ships behind them about to wipe them out. But it almost feels like him pulling the Wave Rider in like the Millennium Falcon and saving uh, you know, saving Luke at that last second to take the shot. But the way that that played out was just so damn awesome. Um, I, I mean, and like I said, Hall of Justice obviously is another big one, but the one I absolutely just adore was during uh, the Arrow episode. When they are fighting the Cyberwoman esque character, uh, that was felt kind of more like a nod more than anything to Superman three, um, the tag team moment between Barry and Kara during that fight just had me laughing my ass off, and I just loved every second of it. Where Flash comes in, does his damage, beats her down, and then Supergirl just kind of they do that whole tag in moment at every moment about that second uh, that this moment on screen just was just wonderful to watch absolutely wonderful um i i obviously hall of justice is definitely in one of my top three uh that that first time seeing it i think that is the closest to feeling like a kid watching these episodes i have ever come in any season of any of these shows you know seeing something for cartoon from my childhood appear on screen in a live action format even if it was cg'd in doesn't matter. Hands down. I, again, audible squeal. Fangirl. Fangirl. Flat out. Um, I actually, uh, quite the opposite of, you know, seeing the team up of Barry and Kara. Uh, I actually liked the scene where they were versing each other. Um, I think the CG was a little, could have been a little better, but it, it's not complaining at all about how bad i'm not saying the cg was bad at all i mean even seeing barry turn around on a dime while running up a building to run down it i thought was awesome um so the whole fight scene between him and and supergirl i thought was great uh Mm. but i think my third would probably be and it's probably gonna make you guys laugh but diggle 
his I mean, any time we've seen him in past episodes, um, you know, have a reaction to seeing a metahuman in action has been funny. But this episode, uh, this run of all three was just like you. This was overload for him. And, you know, because he's seeing things he has never seen before, um, you know, from the first time he sees Supergirl and, you know, mm-hmm. Mick saying, you know, what makes her an alien? And she flies up and heat visions her symbol. And he's like, I'm convinced. Totally straight faced. Like, dude, I busted out laughing, even seeing it again as part of the episode. He has my line of the week this week, which I'll save for later. But, you know, from vomiting, running after being run with Barry, after running with Barry and just saying, you know, my life used to be normal before I met you. Uh, to the end of the whole thing when he shakes Barry's hand and says, even after finding out everything, which we really have to get to uh, the reveal of everybody finding out about Flashpoint uh, is something we need to touch on too. But at, at the very end, saying, you know, my life used to be normal before I met you, but you're one of the best men I've ever met. Like, that was an amazing moment for me oh yeah so uh, that's diggle just overall in a whole is one of my top moments of this entire thing what about you how about you teach um all right my number one moment um it has to be the the fight at the end it was a little cg and you could tell but seeing them all on screen fighting was fantastic um, as a lifelong comic book fan, this is everything that I've wanted on tele- uh, on 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 screen since I was f- five and figured out. Oh, hey, the Justice League is a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I I say my I liked uh, in Legends of Tomorrow when felicity and cisco went all tech support to save the heroes i thought that was amusing <laughs> that was great the somebody call for tech support which was yeah. a runner-up of line for me as well so uh and mixed reaction of great saved by the geeks <laughs> yeah um and then i think for my third I, I gotta say when flash and barry were uh, not flash and barry yeah when uh, Flash and the Green Arrow were facing off against our mind-controlled friends, there was still, like, they were handling themselves, but there was still the sense of, I don't know if we're going to survive this. Um, though I think they took Adam and Firestorm out a little quickly. On that. Um, and then when, you know, towards the end of that fight scene, when, Ollie reaches back for an arrow, and for the first time in his life, he's coming up empty. Yeah. He's got nothing left, and he's like, well, this is going to (laughs) suck. Yeah, it was nice to see them finally kind of do something with that, where it's like he has like 4,000 arrows every day on him, and this is the time he runs out. Um, Something kind of amazing about that moment. Uh, Yeah, And now, like I said, Ben, you mentioned the whole idea of now Flashpoint, though, and... Uh, finally, for this kind of connects us to not just the Flash, but Legends of Tomorrow. Uh, very early on in this crossover, we see Jax and Doctor Stein talk to Barry and Cisco and say, "Hey, we need to play something for you." Um, and it is this: we finally get this full message from Barry from 2056 of 
the message he sends to Captain Hunter, basically saying, you can't trust me. There is a point in time in the future, and you guys were going to come together, and you cannot trust me, because something major may happen. Um, and we don't know if this has anything to do with yet with Invasion. I, I don't think can, it does. I don't Neither either. do I. I think this has a lot to do with what's still yet to come in Legends of Tomorrow. Um, again, very notably, I still will bring up 2056, man. That's when Bart Allen comes into play, so I'm wondering. Um, so... The fact that now they have this Cisco and him are very much at odds. Him and Barry, me, him meaning Barry at this at this time, are still very much at odds. As you know, Cisco still dealing with uh, the ramifications of Flashpoint causing the death of his brother Dante, um, and them having this discussion of, well, this is what happened. This is what Flashpoint was, and Stein and Jacks looking at him and like, we are time travelers there to stop aberrations. Why would you do this? You know this is bad. This causes bad, terrible things to occur. Um, and this is a big theme throughout the entire Invasion crossover, is the ramifications of time travel. Um, and it doesn't just affect Barry in a big way, but you know he explains Flashpoint, and then there's this lingering thought is, do we bring this up to the team? Uh, and Cisco kind of forces him to do this. Um, so it was very interesting to see play out on how people viewed that. I don't know what you guys, your guys' thoughts were on this plot thread that was kind of looming over the majority of Invasion, but I think this worked as the best framing device for all of it. Um, yeah, it's it's one of the things, and it's something that you had mentioned earlier to Rob last night. Um, Barry is now not the only person who is guilty of messing with the timeline. Uh, you know, he, Barry... I think he's the biggest culprit in what he did, you know, purposely going back to his childhood and, and preventing his mother's death, uh, you know, which caused Flashpoint. Now everything has been corrected, somewhat corrected. Um, but we've gotten more of that. Obviously, we know now that Professor Stein has had an effect on the timeline in a conversation that we, he had with a younger version of himself. And now he has a daughter uh, who is awesome, by the way. Yeah. Uh, uh, does, does, do you guys remember her name? trying to remember it now. I do not. All right. As you discuss, I will look that up. But, I mean, also, I think one of the things that helps correct the situation between Barry and Cisco is Cisco has now had an effect on the timeline. In, you know, that at a certain point during Legends of Tomorrow, he decides to spare the life of a Dominator being, you know, we should prove to them that we're the bigger people. And allow this Dominator to live and return home, only to find out that that is one of the reasons why these Dominators have come back, uh, is because it's that Dominator that he allowed to live. So, and Cisco coming to the realization himself that, you know, I've screwed with the timeline, I should not have done this, and I'm just as guilty as Barry now. Uh, yeah. So it's a very interesting concept now that um, I like the fact that that's how they've gotten around the resolve of of Barry and Cisco's issues. Uh, in that you know they made they kind of made Cisco guilty of it as well. In which that was something I never anticipated happening. Because uh, how, how would you? I mean, how would Cisco have an effect on the timeline? But now, oh yeah, um, it's something that's come to play, and I think it's very interesting in, in showing that you know metahuman or not. Um, and it's something, TJ, that you brought up too with Oliver's statement to Barry in that, look, these guys are heroes. They're not perfect. They're yeah. going to well, make they, it. It was just the idea. Is it's like you're just a human being. Yeah, you're not a god. And it was that idea that was brought up. Uh, and by the way, 
Dr. Stein's daughter's name is Lily. Okay. So um, that's played by Christina Bricotta, who we now know also is going to be coming back pretty frequently on Legends. So she sounds like she is now just a new straight-up cast member of the Arrowverse. Yeah. So I actually had a little bit of an issue with, uh... <clears throat> excuse me, time travel stories. <clears throat> I'm sorry. Excuse me, one second. Well, thanks for joining us, TJ. It's been great having you on. <laughs> we don't like issues. <laughs> sorry about we that. We don't like points of contention. No, yeah. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, Welcome back, TJ, to his last yeah. ever appearance on the DC <laughs> Podcast. <laughs> the, so, the, um, so they reveal Barry's thing. And I got, like, Deagle's reaction, and I got, like, you know, and I've understood the reaction of the Flash crew. But then Legends comes up to him and goes, you know, we try to stop time aberrations. What the hell are you doing? And I'm like, you have all caused the time aberration. <laughs> we haven't Ray seen a lot of them play out yet, but yes, definitely. You know, you fought zombies in the middle of the Civil War. How is that not a time aberration? You did all this crap, you know, and you, and then Sarah Lance co- coming up and saying, you know how many times I, I wanted to kill D- Damien Dark? I'm like, you know how many times you tried to kill yeah, Damien Dark? Exactly. The hell with timeline? Uh, and it just, I, I felt that portion was a bit too high horse coming from the, le- coming from the legends. Um... I understood the story beat they needed to get out, but it was still, it was like, you could have picked somebody else to make that uh, point. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, and and I understand that too. I mean, it's one of the things that, uh, you know, you bring up a good point is what exactly determines a time apparition or something that they're just doing because they feel needs to be corrected? I mean, what, how do you distinguish between the two? And... You know, while, you know, Cisco goes back with the legends and makes a change or Barry goes back in time and, and makes a decision. How is that any different from what the legends are doing every day? Right, exactly. I mean, like Firestorm showed up at the White House. Yeah. You know, in a period of time where there weren't supposed to be any metahumans. Well, bigger than that, they stole Reagan's jelly beans. Yes. <laughs> well, I mean, you you know, you had the legends, you know, working with the three musketeers and you had the legends um, kidnapping Albert Einstein. Like, how do these things not change history? Oh, yeah. Well, not even just that. I mean, like you bring up the Einstein thing, but now it's not just Einstein that's responsible for, you know, the work on, you know, uh, the atomic bomb. Yeah, so. exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I understand that point of contention, but it's. Uh, I think it's the idea of ones that may have massive ramifications, like creating a person that doesn't never existed before. Like, so I mean, their idea is to fight them. Yes, I, I do agree, and that's what they're doing. They're stopping a lot of these. It's not like they're the ones that caused the zombies, but I think a lot of these things kind of factor in. So I'm very curious to see how this idea continues to play out. But I think it's it that has been a question of so far with the legends that I think they're getting closer and closer to something about that payoff. And I think we're going to see this playoff in a big time because the big thing that we're dealing with with Martin now is the struggling idea is 
he has that thought process as she can't exist. I need to wipe her out of this. And him making the selfish decision at the end of all of this, even with what happened in Flashpoint, that is, I will not allow her out of my life. And talking Jack saying, um, I, 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 I care about her. Like his, his timeline is being rewritten. He is having those memories that she brings up to him start kind of rushing back to him. So he is an important part. Everybody else thinks she does exist. Um, and Jax is the only one that knows that she never did. So it's now this question and an idea of what is to come. Um, and I kind of do hope that they choose to keep her around because I think it's a fun new addition. So I do, I do like where they're going with this. But yeah, the idea that Cisco now has, you know, been involved with causing the world to kind of spin out of control and him being the one really responsible for the Dominators showing up on Earth because of trying to do what's right. Um, but not just him, the other people involved. Uh, you know, you have. Felicity is a big part of that decision now, too. So somebody from every one of these shows has caused something mass to change in the world. So I would also love to see how they go back and, you know, try to stop uh, the daughter being born. It's like, what did that, you know, did they burst into the room, you know, right before the act starts? It goes, no, don't. <laughs> Yo, no glove, no love. No. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, really, we... th- this is one of those things where I look at it and go, I don't think there's a way to really... I mean, he just changed his own timeline. There's not really a way to stop this one. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you know what? Like I said, I think that whole framing device worked phenomenally for all of Invasion. But I really love the fact that this is what does, as you, Ben, you mentioned, closes that gap between Cisco and Barry and realizing that Barry did what he thought because it was the right thing to do. Yeah. Uh, you know, Barry's was, yes, was a little bit more selfish straight off the bat, but, you know, his, his, you know, creating, creating the alternate timeline, but he was the one that was trying to fix it though. And when he chose that he needed to fix this, um, and having the best of intentions, causing all this to spin out of control and changing the world now. But yeah, I, I think just all this in general was, I mean, the dominators were just felt like kind of the afterthoughts, all this, I mean, you know that while they, as much as they aren't, um, it was. I think it was the ideas of time travel and how, and you know what it means to be a hero was kind of the primary theme of all of this. And I think they excelled on all fronts. I mean, you know, right off the bat, the Dominators. I mean, we, we've seen some CG characters in the show. The Dominators, man, they looked fantastic. They looked great. Almost every every yeah. scene they were in, uh, even when there was tons of them on screen. Yeah, when we have that, yeah, obviously it gets a CG ish, but. You know, when you saw this one on screen at a time, man, you know, the one thing th- these shows are proving time after time after time, we saw it with the start with King Shark, Parasite on Supergirl, they are getting better and better at making these character designs and making them look great. Yeah, I mean, um, it's even one of the, like, I-, I loved it, it's a throwaway line, but, um, you know, when Lila asked Barry, what did you see, and he's like, oh, the stuff that would give Ridley Scott mares. Uh huh. Like I, it's a great throwaway line, but it's the truth because the CG is so well done on on the Dominators in this episode, in these episodes. Yeah. So, uh, you know what though? On the topic of one-liners, uh, there are so many that come out of these three episodes. We all have our own for line of the week, and we can get to them now. But let's let's talk about. We we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about some of the at least notable, um, honorable mentions. 
of some for this week because there were so many. So sparing, we all know each other's three. So um, we'll make sure not to mention them. What are some of the other great one-liners that we had come out of this? Because I know what, another personal favorite of mine is after Oscar nominates Barry to be the the leader of the group, and you know he's he's kind of mumbling his way through everything, and Oliver would just say, "Do this," you know, or this, yep. and just the moment where you know uh, Katie Lott, Sarah is just like, "Are we just supposed to pretend we didn't hear him say that?" Like <laughs> I thought that was that was another great. Just moment. Um, one of my one of my definite favorites in the mix too came at the close to the very end of everything, where uh, the president, the new president of the U.S., because the first one was killed <laughs> or vaporized uh, by the Dominators earlier on in the the crossover. But as the new president is kind of saying to the world, "These are heroes," which was also just an amazing moment. Basically, all of these people being addressed as the people that are saving mankind. But it's just Mick leaning into Sarah cool. and looking at the president is like, "Is she hot?" And then Sarah's like, yep, she's hot. <laughs> One of my favorites was the exchange between Supergirl and Heatwave. So how did you get your name? Uh, well, I like to set things on fire and I burn my family alive. Well, that's a <laughs> colorful backstory. <laughs> Man, Mick, Mick had some of the best out of, out of all of this. I'm telling um, you, like Mick and Diggle were two... Uh, I think were were so good and just kept to their characters and uh, like I just I love them so much. Um, let's go into our lines of the week because I'm well. Actually, there's one I didn't get to bring up. Okay, it was close because I didn't know how to write it down or repeat it. But it was Felicity under the effects of time travel of uh, the first time when she gets there just vomiting uh, and just yep. Not being able to speak and all of her words coming out just jarbled. And the way that she pulled that off was so great. It is continuing. And then the second time around when they, they get back, she's like, I can't see anything. And Cisco's just like, at least you didn't vomit this time. And then her immediately blowing chunks all over the Wave Rider floor. But, but even more importantly, piggybacking off the top of that, I love when Nate looks at him and says, I'm going to take that as have fun storming the castle. Castle. And Cisco's like, oh, you did not just go Princess Bride on me. Right. <laughs> Dude, I, I loved it so much. Um, but TJ, we'll start with you. All the one-liners of this week, what was your line of the week? The one that made me just laugh out loud was when, so Mick passes by, see, at the end of the Legends episode, they're at that party, Mick passes by uh, Supergirl and Cisco after Cisco's given her that uh, call device and goes, call me sometimes, Kurt. Yep. Kurt. <laughs> and the look on her face, which was then mirrored on Cisco's face, was, I'm sorry, what? Really? Yeah, so good. Uh, Rob, how about you? What was your line of the week? Uh, mine definitely comes from Ray Palmer, uh, and that's when he's standing around and after talking to Kara for a second or two, and she walks away, and him making the line of, you know, I have a cousin that looks a lot like her. <laughs> uh, give that nice nod to Superman Returns. Yes. So. Uh, and my line of the week is, of course, a Diggle line, and it is the moment in The Flash when the jump ship from the Wave Rider first arrives and Diggle with his stone look face like he always has just says, you know, I've never done drugs because I'm always afraid of seeing weird stuff. I just <laughs> thought that was just utterly brilliant. 
And again, that massive overload of Diggle seeing things he just never thought he would ever see. Yeah. So I thought it was fantastic. Um, one last thing I want to mention uh, about I Invasion. Got one too. Um, yeah. As TJ just brought up, the device that Skull gives to Kara in order for her to have a direct portal transportation from her Earth to ours and also communicate. I thought that was a brilliant way to make these crossovers so much easier because we do know there is at least one more coming. So it it makes it so much easier and it's going to be great to just randomly have times where maybe Cisco is on the phone with Kara. Oh yeah. I think that, that that adds so many possibilities. Yeah. Uh, The one for me I had to bring up though too is the transmutation that, Firestorm does with a giant alien device about to wipe out all the metas on the world because we haven't brought that up yet because I feel like we should have. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, uh, but I love that moment of just this really intense, you know, point in time where it's Cisco and, you know, White Canary trying to, you know, use the tractor beam on the Wave Rider to keep this thing from crashing to the ground and Jack's on top of this device dumping all of his energy and it's this very. Empire Strikes Back moment of Luke in Dagobah trying to lift the X-Wing, and it's just that it's too big. And it was just Steinbeck, like, you have to do this, Jefferson. I have a daughter. And it's just this small moment between the, those characters and just watching him transmute this giant thing into just water falling down. It just was such a great sequence. Everything about that whole end fight that, you know, TJ, you mentioned where you've got Kara and Barry running around putting the little tracking devices on, or well, the uh, the little nano devices on all the aliens to get them to basically kind of just suffer in pain really quickly to get them to leave. Um, you know, and that cut away back to the Wave Rider to you know the characters inside. Everything about that sequence was so fantastic. But that transmutation, I think, was this kind of like ending with a bang. Yeah, yeah. Uh, TJ, anything else that you wanted to add before we? We wrap things up um, with invasion. The uh, not re- not really. We pretty much touched on uh, pretty much everything. Um, the like I said before, this was the, the culmination of everything that I wanted as a kid, and I thought it was fantastic just to see this brought to life on screen. Yeah, and in a good way. Um. Yeah. I will. I will say this. Uh. And then we'll we'll move on. I'm sure there are things that I'm I'm almost positive there are, there are things that we've forgotten to mention. Uh, I mean, there's so much packed into this three part crossover, technically four part crossover, um, that it would be impossible to remember absolutely everything unless we took meticulous notes. Which, when you're watching these, you don't do because you are just yeah. so engrossed in watching. It's impossible. So. Obviously, all of you guys out there that listen to us, uh, anything that you want to mention, feel free to post on the Facebook page at this point. We've watched them, so spoilers, you know, they're they're free reign at this point. Um, Facebook.com slash DC Primetime. Feel free to post anything you want and, and comment on anything that we post as well. But if anybody from CW gets wind of this and listens to this, which we hope eventually they will if they don't already... There are so many featurettes and so many back behind the scenes things that came out of this, uh, from you know producers' notes to behind the scenes docu- you know filmings and everything. I would love to see CW 
put this out as a Blu-ray, as a movie. From start to finish, make it just one hour and, you know, 25-minute film or whatever it would turn out to be, I would buy it. Or, you know, Fathom Events, man. Just give it to us in, like, you know... Right around Christmas, bring it to the theater for like two nights. Well, I was thinking, together. I was thinking more Blu-ray because then you could put the featurettes and oh yeah, because I would love to see an outtake reel of this. Oh god, I can't imagine how much fun that was. A gag been. reel of this would be amazing. So yeah, oh god, if anybody <laughs> out there has access to CW or anybody out there is listening from CW or Warner Brothers, or whatever, make this happen. Like mm-hmm. put this out as a as a Blu-ray. Make this one long thing because I would watch it over and over and over again. Give us the featurettes. We're fans. We want to see this shit. Yeah. And put a gag uh, reel on there. Oh, yeah. Gag <laughs> reels are still always some of my favorite love things. love gag reels. But, uh, the last thing I got to say, too, personally to you guys is how do you top this next year? Um, Darkest Night. Or Blackest Night? Blackest Night. Yeah. Well, Won't that would be kind of tricky because we don't have lanterns yeah, at all in exactly. this world. But yet, um, TJ, do you think this is going to be a crisis? Maybe next? No, I don't think. I don't think because they had a chance to do Christ, uh, to do a merging of the world with Flashpoint, and they didn't take it. I think how you top this is, um, and why we're seeing a little bit of it in Legends. Give us the full fledged Legion of Doom. Okay. Hero versus villain. Uh, what about what about your guys' thoughts? Do you think the next crossover we're going to see Superman as well? Um, I, not only do I think we're going to see Superman, but I think we're going to see a Lex at that point. Um, I could see that coming, even if it's only. Um, I think the next crossover is going to potentially be so big that we're not only going to see these characters from these three main shows. I think somehow, one way or another, we're going to see super. A characters from Supergirl as well, whether it's Superman, Cyborg, Superman, Eradicator, you know, anybody. Um, I think we're definitely going to see more characters. I hope it's not to the point where it's overload, but I would love to see a point where Kara, where this is more these guys going to Earth 38 rather what than... Actually, sorry, uh, what actually I was just thinking of was... In the past, DC did crossovers. Uh, it was mainly between the Justice League and the Justice Society. Uh, they would go to each other's Earths. Uh, and one time, there was uh, the villains from Earth 1 and the villains from Earth 2 all started moving around and attacking different heroes. So that you had pretty like, cool. You had, like, the Lex Luthor of Earth-1 went over to Earth-2 and fought Alan Scott Green Lantern. I think the next yeah. I think the next one is we're going to see um, the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. come over. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> and um, everybody is just like, well, we don't know why, but our ratings are down more than they've ever been before. Yeah. And we've decided to cancel all four shows. Firestorm <laughs> versus Ghost Rider. Yeah, no thanks. I'm good. Yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm okay with that. Without that, um, but yeah, no, I, I'm really excited to see what the future is because they've proven now that you know, like I said, we had the one crossover last year that was the backdoor pilot for Legends, but this was just man. I, I I'm so excited to see what they do next to top this, and I think that's what everybody's thinking, and I'm sure right now that's what the, these writers are fearing is how do we top this? I would not uh, be surprised 
if within the next year or two, it may be sometime next year, we are seeing the announcement of a new show. I don't uh, maybe, know what it would be yet, but I would not be surprised if in 2017 at some point we are getting that announcement. Well, maybe it's possible that Legends will wrap up this season and maybe what we'll get next season is uh, a Brave and the Bold kind of TV show where it's a crossover show. Um, Justice Society. or Yeah, a Justice Society show could be really cool if they want to do a period piece that's all that's taking place in the 40s, 50s. Um, oh, no, I wasn't, I wasn't talking a period piece. I meant... A new Justice Society. That could be really cool. Like them deciding to start a new JSA since the old one no longer exists. Uh, you know, give old Lance Henriksen some co- like work constantly. Um, <laughs> I mean, there's a lot they can do. I'm really curious to see where things are going to go. But uh, I would hate to see Legends go away right now, especially because of how good Season 2 has been. Yeah, so, agreed. Uh, but yeah, I mean, right now, I think me and Ben are on the same page. We just want to see, like, you know, Legends get a full season instead of, uh, you know, 16, 18 episodes, whatever it may be. But yeah, no, I think right now, I, I'm, I think we all walk away from this thinking this was exactly what it needed to be, and that was awesome. Yeah. Uh, and next week is the mid-season finales of Flash, Arrow, and Legends, um, mm-hmm. in which we're going to see the return of Jay Garrick on The Flash. Uh, and Mark Hamill, and I love the fact that I heard a little news, too, because Mark is playing a Trickster from Earth 3, so we haven't seen that Trickster before, but I love the idea that he is actually playing his version of Trickster as Conrad Veet from The Man Who Laughs, which is an old 20s film. Even the design of his character is based off of that. Yeah. So he said this is kind of like a pseudo-version, because uh, he was that character was uh, actually the real inspiration for the original Joker. So he mm-hmm. said he wanted to mix that in as a nod to fans because he said that's the one version of the Joker he's never played. He's like, what well, better way to do it than with a character that everybody else looks at me for playing inside of the jo- instead of the Joker but the trickster. So he said that's what inspired that design and look. So Yeah. Uh, on Arrow next week, with it being the midseason finale, I would not be surprised if we are finding out who Prometheus is. Yeah, and uh, it sounds like very certainly that our ideas of Tommy Merlin is definitely not going to be the case because, yeah. again, they couldn't even get him to appear for a second or two. So it's somebody else. <laughs> yeah. So, But you know what? Hey, that makes me now more excited to figure out who Prometheus is. Exactly. And on Ledge of Tomorrow, we are finally seeing the return of Leonard Snart. Uh, and <laughs> I have confirmed since too, Rob, I know this was a point of contention because I know – uh, John Barrowman had said on his panel in Atlanta that he would not be returning to Legends until next year, uh, but he is listed in the cast for this episode of Legends of Tomorrow. So I think we are getting the full um, Legion of Legion. Doom, yeah, uh, in fully formed in this in this season finale or mid season finale. And I love the title of the episode, "The Chicago Way." Yes, uh, that's such a great great title for this episode so uh but yeah and also too because uh, ben mentioned it uh if like i said there's moments that you loved out of uh this crossover you know get them on the facebook put them on the uh, the visitors posts or just comment on this episode when you hear it let us know uh and we'll bring your points up if your your guys favorite moments uh next week since we'll have a shorter show next week shorter show means that it'll be a normal length episode yeah. as usual <laughs> um but we will definitely bring up those points because i'd love to be able to read out everybody's favorite moment or your lines of the week for uh, everybody i know at least two or three of you guys will definitely do this i know shad uh one of our uh most common people that's uh, contacting us and you know engaging on uh, the facebook page 
already said, uh, as I think of like Tuesday or Wednesday, that he already had his line. So and I'm I think he said his was like one word. Yeah. Which um, I was trying to figure out what it was, and I, I don't know. So, uh, yeah. Chad, definitely let us know what it is. Post on the Facebook page what it was. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, yeah. And like I said, anybody that hasn't really dove over there yet, even if it's just to make your comments, you don't have to say anything else but beyond that. But I, we really want to hear what everybody's thoughts were. We will happily read them out next week. Yes, so. exactly. And I can tell you right now, if CW listens to us and puts it out on Blu-ray, we will do a giveaway with it. Oh, guaranteed. Yeah. We will probably do multiple giveaways yes. of that. We'll buy so. like I don't know. I was going to say like 15 copies. That might be a little too much, but uh, we'll buy like five or six <laughs> copies and we will absolutely do giveaways to our listeners if they, if they do this. Um, All right. Um, so I guess news. Let's let's do this. Cause I know you got to get out of here. Um, yeah. I got uh, our buddy Craig Lagans who has been on the show before has a uh, variety show he's doing later on today. So I have to head out to that. Uh, but yeah, you're right. Let's move on to the DC essentials portion and let us hit the news and recommendations. Okay. Uh, so real quick, we're going to go through these best orders. I can give it to you guys. Uh, that being that we have a little promo for the second half of Gotham Season 3. And that promo does show us the return of Jerome into the show. So Cameron Monaghan is going to be back into the mix. We knew he was coming back sometime this season. It sounded like it was more the end of the season, though, for him to be a big proponent of Season 4. Uh, so that's a big wait and see on how he will indeed be brought back. But that is out there right now, so you can always check that out. Uh, I will get this stuff linked over probably later tonight, if not tomorrow night at some point for uh, some of these. Because, uh, again, busy week, so not as much activity on our Facebook page, but keep an eye out for the promo. Uh, jumping over into the realm of Supergirl, one of the things that we never expected to ever happen in this show. That's a lie. I called happening. it. You did call it, actually. I never expected this to happen. <laughs> Um, but Mr. Mitzelplex is coming to Supergirl in a two-episode cross, uh, two-episode arc, not crossover. Um, so I'm very, very much looking forward to seeing what they do with the imp from the fifth dimension. God, so, let that be good. Oh <laughs> my God, I hope so. Uh, I did, that is the fifth dimension, correct? Yes. Yes. Okay, cool. I was like, wait a second for a second. That didn't sound right in my brain, but yeah, okay. So, um. Moving over into Arrow, uh, some of the things that were discussed this week is Mark Guggenheim actually talked a little bit about what he thought was his biggest regret of all of Arrow as he kind of looks back at the series on the Milestone 100th episode. And one of the things he actually brought up, uh, and I'll actually read this verbatim in his quote, is that the truth is I don't think I've ever been involved with an hour of television on any show where there hasn't been something I wanted to take back. Doing 23 episodes a year, you're just constantly running, so nothing ever turns out exactly how you want it to. In other words, my list of regrets is actually incredibly long. It's 100 episodes long, I'd probably say. My biggest regret is I wish I had allowed the Felicity and Oliver storyline in Season 4 to unfold at a more natural pace. We had set tent poles at the beginning of the season, and where we were a bit too rigorous on how we hit them. This was a case that where uh, the planning overtook the storytelling. We didn't do things as naturally and as elegantly as we should have. Uh, which is one of the things a lot of people actually have really hated on season four uh, for that show, which was them really just running things along. Nothing really felt like they took hold. No, no, they're never felt quite right. And that was something that we really docked it for uh, in our annual less, uh, you know, a couple months back. So, uh, yeah, um, I'm kind of happy to see that they actually did address that. Uh, we have something big, uh, big changes on the wind arrow. We know in the next two episodes, so probably something we're going to get at the end of the midseason break. Um, but then again, something at uh, the return after the midseason break as well. So 
So right before and right after. Uh, jumping over into the film universe, uh, we now have an official date for Aquaman. Uh, originally, the film was planned to release in July 27th, 2018, but Warner Brothers just decided that they are going to hold the film, uh, make sure everything is just right, and it will be released in 2018 a couple of months later on October 5th. Um, jumping into more film news as well, there is now two rumblings specifically. Uh, one of them is more of just some light discussion, but... Vikings actress Catherine Winnick has stated that she has her eyes very much set on playing Black Canary in the DC Extended Universe. Uh, and that was, uh, she was also a very big, huge fan favorite uh, for uh, Carol Danvers over in the Marvel Universe as far as uh, Babri Larson was cast as Miss Marvel. So I would not be surprised to see Warner Brothers actually come in and make this move happen. Um, it seems like they're doing everything they can to lock up people that have been fan favorites uh, to kind of continue to pad out their character uh, rosters. So we talked about the other week about John Cleese, but not only is the uh, stuff with Winnick going on, but now it seems that Army Hammer is going to also potentially be joining the DC Films Extended Universe, which is uh, kind of makes me chuckle because uh, Hammer was actually originally going to be slated to play Batman in the uh, George Miller version of Justice League. Uh, and this news is actually coming out of uh, same people that mentioned that Joe, uh, Joe Van, uh, sorry, you go ahead and say who Deathstroke been. Manganello <laughs> uh, would be playing Deathstroke because I still can't say that right. <laughs> it's all right. Uh, and uh, same people that mentioned that John Cleese's involvement. So, uh, but it sounds like there is a lot going on that uh, Army Hammer could indeed be the one playing uh, the good old Hal Jordan Green Lantern. So, very looking for, very much looking forward to seeing what does indeed happen there. Um, we did get a little bit of stuff too. Heading back into uh, the small screen, uh, real fast, we did get the first image and appearance for uh, a, a teaser poster for Teen Titans: The Judas Contract, which we know is coming. That's been teased since uh, the Justice League versus Teen Titans crossover animated film that came out. Um, several months back, which uh, we did review on the show. I forget what episode, but if you go through, you can find a review there. Uh, but not only that, too, um, something that I feels like, uh, I think Kevin Smith said it best, it felt like somebody flashpointed things into existence the way that they were always meant to be. And this is because of Billy D. Williams will finally get chance to play Two-Face in the Lego Batman movie, which I think is amazing that they did this. this Obviously, awesome. everybody remembers Billy D. Williams did play Harvey Dent in the 1989 Tim Burton Batman film, so it feels like the stars are aligning to make things right. So very excited to see this. And the last piece of news I have for this week is during the get a Q&A with Warner Brothers chief Kevin Chusahara, uh, um, the studio said they are officially now doubling down on all of its major franchises and saying that DC is the, one of the most important things to them. They understand the things they've done in the past, the wrong decisions, and they think with John Berg and Jeff Johns now with their heads, things are kind of is going to more than likely be writing themselves. But in addition to that, though, they said they're actually also considering somewhere along the line a streaming service for direct-to-consumer DC products to capitalize a little bit more on the fan base because they want to make sure there is plenty to go around. And I my thought behind that is Mr. Shuzahara. Before you do that, get your movies right first. Yeah, and because my whole thing with this, too, when I read that is, is there enough to provide a streaming service, really? 
Well, I mean, honestly, if they said, hey, for $5 a month, you can watch all the old Super Friends Challenge, the Super Friends, uh, you know, the Superpower Show, the old Batman, the animated series, uh, Superman, the animated series, the old Teen Titans, Teen Titans Go, all the animated films, the old movies, the new movies, and then watch all of these shows. Would you pay for it? Because I know I would. I, I don't know. I mean, because, I mean, using WWE as a prime example, I mean, they have a streaming service now, but it took them... 20 years of week of two weekly television shows so multiply that um uh, a pay-per-view every month for 20 years sometimes multiple pay-per-views a month for 20 years and a shit ton of original programming in order for them to have enough to put together a streaming service i don't know if dc has enough to merit a streaming service um i think it would be cool if they maybe did if they said hey digital comics or you can view digital comics for dc here if you did if if you put in digital comics into it absolutely it's it's worth it but as far as animated series and movies i don't think there's enough out there to merit a streaming service yet no i mean like i said you know you you do have things like smallville that went on for quite some time and all these other shows i mean there is a fair amount of stuff there but i don't know if it warrants its own thing yeah Um, what if it was for new content as well well, I think that's what the, the thought process behind his statement was, was creating direct-to-consumer product. Uh, so this sounds like maybe they would be doing a whole bunch of new things. Maybe you would do motion comics based off of some big trade paperbacks, uh, which would be uh, pretty cool to see some graphic novels converted over that way, maybe with some of the cast members that are currently doing some of the animated stuff. Um or maybe they're doing some more shorts or like half hour live action things. Uh, maybe they can play around with a few things. But I'm curious to see what they do. I mean, I think right now everybody's eyes right now are locked on a Wonder Woman and making sure that that's right. I mean, so far everything we've seen from that looks phenomenal. Um, and I'm very excited to see how that plays out. So, But yeah, um, I'm very curious to see what Warner Brothers chooses to do with this. Um, so far we've already seen... Uh, BBS and Suicide Squad rake in some pretty hefty box office numbers. I mean, uh, you know, there's still issues out there as far as people's thought processes, the quality of them. But, I mean, there's no denying that they were box office hits, though, still, as far as uh, financial, financially for this for Warner Brothers. Yeah. So it's a big wait and see. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, yeah, that wraps up the news for uh, this week. Uh, but uh, I guess we'll hit recommendations and uh, get the hell out of here. Yeah. Um, recommendations for this week. I'm going to start mine off just because it's fairly simple. Uh, I didn't really have one, but I've come up with one since, and it's only because it's something we had mentioned earlier on. Uh, Rob, you had mentioned it in our talk with Supergirl. But uh, The Adventures of Superman, number 454, uh, which was uh, the first appearance of World uh, War World say that three times fast with a sore throat um war world with first appearance of war world but also uh mentions of uh morgan edge and mongol as well in that episode Mm -hmm. or in that issue so my recommendations for this week is adventures of superman issue number 454 tj um i would actually recommend the uh, invasion comic book and tie-ins um comes out to about 40 issues but it's uh once you get outside the invasion books themselves it becomes less walls of text and more action fair enough and mine is quite simple which is when you have a spare moment just make sure if you haven't done it yet watch these three episodes back to back to back because uh i know that's exactly what i'm going to be doing probably later today (laughs) is rewatching 
all of the crossover yet again, and that's the thing I can say that I believe the most in right now. So. Yes. And CW and Warner Brothers, you know what to do. We've already said it. Do it. Blu-ray. Do it. Featurettes. Gag reel. Make it happen. If anybody, if any of our listeners have contacts at CW or Warner Brothers, uh, make it happen. <laughs> that's all I can say. Uh, but let's do some cheap plugs, and we will get out of here. Uh, TJ, thank you again for joining us this week. Do you have anything that you want to uh, promote or plug to our listeners? Uh, actually, uh, thank you for having me, but I don't have anything to promote or plug right now. All right. You live a wild life, TJ. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Um, but, uh, we will make it, uh, I did mention it earlier on too, when we first introduced TJ, uh, we had a great time at a party TJ, uh, put together last night in, uh, which was a Dresden style game. So, uh, uh, hats off to you for that, sir. And of course, happy belated birthday. Thank you. Uh, Rob. Uh, me. You can, uh, obviously, uh, right now up on nextlevelradioonline.com. You can now see all of the episodes of Captain Crewcast of Pod, thanks to Ben. Um, and we just released episode number 32, which is our November episode, uh, that came out, uh, I believe the last day of the month, which is probably how we'll, I'll be planning on doing things since we kind of look back at the month as far as geek culture. But, uh, actually a pretty, I think, deep and really kind of, um, awesome episode this month. We, we dove into a lot of, uh, little things. My favorites being, uh, we touched on traumatic childhood films uh, that have just stuck with us after watching the Cars 3 teaser trailer, which is kind of disturbing. And it was kind of fun because one of our friends who was a mom was on there and kind of gave us her thoughts. But lots of discussions of those films that still kind of haunt us a little bit to our uh, to today. And uh, then we got a little bit deeper into some of our uh, favorite uh, diverse casts that are out there. I know there's a lot of discussion about uh, Arrow and Flash and, the uh, you know, the CW world as far as uh, the shows that we talk about here. So a nice little bit of a crossover there. So if you get a second, check that out again. Caffeine Crew Cast Pods, episode number 32, the podcast for uh, the Geek Culture podcast um, on the Next Level Network. Yeah, just go and, uh, Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just going to say, if when you're on nextlevelradioonline.com, just click on those tab and you will see the show listed. Yeah. And then uh, I believe, Ben, you will be back with us again next month. And hopefully I think we're going to try to pull Craig in again. So uh, That's the plan. But yeah, uh, one of the things we added to this episode, I'd be remiss if I forget to bring it up. <laughs> but uh, we have a new closing segment that we added into the mix between uh, the MFK on Ride Destroy. But we added a 20 questions that we're testing out, which I think is going to turn into a cartoon character 20 questions that we'll throw in every once in a while. But uh so bear with us on the, that episode because it was us trying something new and it took a lot of editing to make that listenable <laughs> instead of a lot of people writing down on pieces of paper the things that they asked and lots of moments of silence. But it's definitely much better now. <laughs> <laughs> so definitely check it out. Let us know your thoughts. Cool. Uh, yeah. As always, as Robin mentioned to nextlevelradioonline.com, you can go there and check out this podcast, the Caffeine Crew Cast of Pods, uh, the Showcast Spotlight, as well as a number of other podcasts that we host there on the Next Level Podcast Network. Um, of course, once again, we'll mention the Facebook page, facebook.com slash DC Primetime, and you can, uh, again, comment. And, and let us know your thoughts on Invasion uh, of everything we've ever watched from this show. We're definitely anticipating knowing how you guys felt about Asian because we loved it. We want to see if you loved it too. Uh, more um, – you're going to be hearing some stuff coming out of Heroes and Villains Atlanta – uh, over the course of the break. Next week, we have the mid-season finales of Arrow, Flash, and Legends. And then the following week, 
Uh, Rob and I are going to we're, – we're still going to record some stuff about the news and things for the week. But I think the podcast that week is going to be my panel – the audio from my panel with um, the Arrowcast, Paul Blackthorne, Katie Cassidy, Willa Holland – uh, David Ramsey and Charlotte Ross. I'm still working on getting the audio from the Flash panel, uh, but I have a ton of other stuff. My one, excuse me, my one-on-one with Matt Ryan, who plays Constantine. My one-on-one with Rick Cosnett. Uh, we're we're still working on getting the audio from the Stephen Amell and John Barrowman panels. So we got a ton of stuff that we're going to be replaying for you over the course of the winter break. Uh, as far as uh, stuff filling in. But Rob and I are still going to be recording some up-to-date stuff that, that's going to precede that. So a lot of great content coming your way over the next over the next couple weeks, over the holidays. So we definitely encourage you to check that out. And it sounds even more day-to-day, week-to-week, more and more probable that I am most likely going to Chicago for uh, Heroes and Villains slash Walker Stalker in March. So we're going to have a ton more content coming out of that as well. Uh, and if this keeps up, man, we're never going to be short of this extra content, which is amazing. Uh, it bodes so well for this podcast, which bodes for us and bodes even better for you, the listeners. Um, so just anticipate that coming over the course of the next couple weeks. Uh, but in the meantime, uh, special thanks to George Shaw. I'll, I'll give the shout out this week since I'm still in the process of talking. Uh, you can check out all of his uh, material. He provides the music. Uh, is he doing the music for this week? I can't remember. Yes, okay. it is. It, it is George Shaw. Yeah, I'm, it is George Shaw that you're hearing in the beginning of this episode. It's a. It might very well be our new opening. Yeah, uh, it's a big wait and see, but uh, yeah, I think we'll we'll be doing that. And I think me and Ben are talking about, as we mentioned earlier, maybe doing some mid season report cards based on you know how much content we have that during the break. Um, you know, uh, we so based on all everything, we'll definitely have plenty of stuff coming your way, but. If there is time, we'll definitely do. Maybe we'll group two shows together, um, maybe three shows in certain cases, and over maybe the course of like you know two, maybe three episodes during the break. Well, yeah, because we some of, have time, we can we can go through some of that. And stuff. some of the interviews that I have that came out of Atlanta are only like five six minutes, so it's not like uh, you know we can definitely throw them in amidst you know mid season report cards and, and things like that. So. Uh, absolutely let us know what you would like to hear over the course of the winter break. What would you like to see us do since these shows are on break? Um, what do you want to hear come out of us? Absolutely let us know, and you know we will work our best to make that happen. Uh, but back to George Shaw. You can check out all of his material at, with georgeshawmusic.com, correct? Yes. Okay. Uh, and do you want to discuss uh, Gotham real fast? Because we mentioned it earlier, but we didn't touch upon yeah, it. Yeah, we can do that. Um a lot of the things that we see posted to the Facebook page, a lot of the feedback that we get is primarily on the main DC shows, those being Supergirl, Flash, Arrow, and Legends. We don't hear a lot of feedback from you guys on Gotham, and it, it we added Gotham to the show this season because a, a lot of you were asking for it, um, and it's not – you know, detrimental to you guys. We're not saying this as an insult to you guys that you're not posting about it. We're honestly just curious if we should continue to talk about it after this season. Um, We don't want to go past five shows on this podcast because it's a chore. It's a chore to do that. You know, you're talking about four and a half to five hours of viewing that Rob and I each have to do each week on top of what you know, Rob does for news and what we do for recommendations and, and everything else. So we're never going to go above five shows with new shows coming out, such as powerless and things like that. Like justice league action. I mean, if it's the question of 
when all that stuff starts, you know, we were also looking at Young Justice in three. Is this stuff you would rather see us cover versus Gotham? So if you really want Gotham in the mix, man, you guys need to start speaking up about yeah, it. Yeah. Um, um, because we want to make sure we're giving you guys exactly what you want. Yeah. So, But if, you, if you're okay with us dropping Gotham and using um, – we're, we're going to finish the season. When, Regardless. When, yeah. when the show comes back next year, we're not just going to stop talking about it now. It's, we're going to wrap up this, this third season of Gotham. We're going to stick it out till the end. But we're talking about when the show's return in September – what do you guys want? Would you rather us drop Gotham and go to something else like, like Robert said, you know, Young Justice or Powerless or something like that? Because with those, we, we kind of start fresh, especially with Powerless. We're starting from the beginning with you guys. So, you know, with, with Flash and Arrow, Legends, we started from the beginning. But, you know, with Flash and Arrow and, and Supergirl, I think we started from the beginning too. Um, but Flash and Arrow, you know, we kind of got a late jump to this. Flash, we didn't get into season, we into it until season two. Arrow, we were in the beginning of season four when we started the podcast. So let us know. Give us feedback. Should we keep Gotham as part of this podcast? If so, let us know why. And if not, what do you want to, what do you guys, what would you rather we fill that gap with? Mm-hmm. So I think that's a good, good way to preface it. Um, yeah. But like I said, regardless, we're going to finish season three either way because um, we're committed at this point. Uh, but yeah, I think that just about wraps it up. Uh, apologies for our, you know, our throats, any coughing you might have heard. Again, we're we're kind of all going through. I think there's something going around right now and we're all kind of suffering through it. But um, we couldn't not talk about Invasion this week. It, yeah. it, it had to happen. So, and it was very helpful to have TJ on too, because when we needed to give our throats a break, even though TJ's throat is just sore <laughs> it's as, just as bad <laughs> at this point, um, you know. And my throat actually, the way continuing talking, my throat's actually gotten a little better, so it's it's good. Um, but as always, we thank you guys for listening. We thank you guys for supporting us. Uh, we love you guys listening. We love your feedback. Uh, but until next time, we will see you guys around the bend. Take care. Peace. Adios.